Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Arkea, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Some places may just seem like a dot on a map, but all those dots are living, breathing spaces. Any entity that passes through somewhere leaves a piece of itself behind. Sometimes that energy is comforting, but other times it's vengeful and leaves that place corrupted. So be careful and enter at your own risk. First, the true horror story of taunting footsteps, followed by a most deadly game. Then, dead lovers seek retribution. Finally, in our featured story, a tale of revenge you'll be rooting for. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Enter at your own risk. When moving into a new house, there are new things and noises you must get used to. And perhaps the things in the house must get used to you, too. Like in these true events shared by Paris Ewing and her mother. When I was 14, my family moved into a new house. Unfurnished, except for what was supposed to be my bedroom. Left in that room was an old crib and several faded paintings on the wall of baby animals. As if that wasn't creepy enough. The room had a tiny door, cut into it about half the size of a regular door that led to a small storage space. When we moved in, we asked around the neighborhood to see if the family that lived there before us had a baby boy or girl, but the neighbors would only look at us sadly and say what happened was so sad. Yet when we asked for details, no one wanted to talk about it. Whatever had happened, it wasn't good. Because of all this, I didn't like my room. It gave off bad vibes and I didn't really feel comfortable in the space. 
Even after my parents let me paint it however I wanted, it still never felt quite right. Sleeping in the room was difficult. When I did manage to fall asleep, I would often wake up in the middle of the night and see the shadow of a man lingering at the end of my bed. I'd scream for my parents, and when they came and turned on the lights, no one was there. Other times, I'd wake to the cries of a little girl. It was driving me crazy, but without any proof, my parents thought it was just my imagination caused by living in a new home and town. They said with time, I would settle into the place. They were wrong. Soon, they both believed me because of the incident with my mom. It was a day like any other. She dropped me off for band camp and then picked up some groceries. As she put the groceries away, she heard the garage door open. This wasn't abnormal as sometimes it didn't close properly. However, when she went out to push the button, it was already closed. She brushed it off and brought more groceries inside and that's when she heard someone run up the stairs. She dropped her bags and ran to the stairwell just in time to see my door slam. Someone was in my room. My mom was scared out of her mind and didn't know what to do. Her phone was still in the car and she knew if she took her eyes off the door then whoever was up there might leave my room and hide somewhere else in the house. So she grabbed my baseball bat by the door and started to march upstairs just as my father got home. As he asked her what she was doing, he heard the heavy footsteps coming from my room and grabbed the coat rack to join her. My mother fearlessly busted into my room with my father behind her, both ready to fight. But no one was there. They looked at the little door in my room and flung it open, but that storage space was also empty. My father searched the rest of the house, under every bed, behind every curtain, and in every closet. Nothing. Later that night, when I got home, they told me what happened. I was scared, but also felt relieved that they no longer thought I was just imagining things. It was a long night, and I was already exhausted, so I knew I wouldn't have any trouble falling asleep. Until I heard the giggling. Two distinct voices were laughing. The deep voice of a man and the high-pitched squeal of a little girl. It was coming from just outside my bedroom door. I flung it open and found the hallway quiet and empty. Then I heard the giggles again. This time coming from the little door in my room. As I got closer, they got louder. Through the crack of the small door, I could see two figures. One really tall, dark figure and a little toddler girl in a white dress. They were standing right inside that storage space. Suddenly, the deep voice of the man said, Come out, come out, wherever you are. Little piggies aren't meant to hide. I screamed at the top of my lungs, which woke my parents. My father grabbed the bat this time and flung open the tiny door. This time, there was something inside the room. A little white, blood-stained dress. The next day, my parents put the house back on the market. 
The next couple of nights, I stayed on the couch until we found temporary housing, but I was never able to sleep. I just listened all night to the heavy footsteps coming from my room. Thank you so much, Paris Ewing and her mother, for this true story. How incredibly terrifying. Listener, what do you think happened to that baby girl in that house? Would you be able to sleep in a room you knew another child had possibly died in? Would your parents believe you about the strange things you felt? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Be sure you know the rules of the game before you play. Otherwise, losing just might cost you your life. Like in this story inspired by Hanuk. In the mid-1800s, the Montgomery House was the very first home built in Junction City. As the small town grew, the Montgomery House sat at the end of a cul-de-sac, eventually surrounded by beautiful homes with white picket fences and manicured lawns. In the present day, the house sits empty for the past three decades. Over the years, it evolved into a historical tourist spot and people traveled from all around to see this relic and architectural masterpiece of an earlier time. It was known for an enormous library with a koi pond that ran through the middle of it, and a spiral staircase that ran up along huge stained glass windows. It was the pride of the neighborhood, even though it was still unoccupied, save for the people that handled the upkeep and ran the daily tours. There was only one firm rule for the house. All business there had to be finished by sunset, no exceptions. Everyone in the neighborhood took that rule very seriously, until two of the neighborhood boys turned 13. The two seventh graders, Avante and Derek, were best friends, and as they got older, they became quite competitive with each other. A competition that led to a series of dares, where each boy dared the other to something more risky. Eventually, things escalated to the one rule no one would ever dare break. Both the boys' parents had worked at the Montgomery House all of their lives, so they were very familiar with the contents of the house. The thing that always captivated them the most was a valuable antique chessboard in the library that was preserved mid-game. They had each dared the other to take one of the king pieces from the set, but both were too scared to do it during regular hours. Finally, 
they agreed to sneak into the house at night to pull off their caper. Late one night, the boys snuck out of their homes and met in front of the archway of the grand old house. It looked much creepier at night with all of the lights out. They stepped up to the front porch and it let out a loud creak that nearly panicked the boys into running. After a few deep breaths, they managed to find their courage and made their way to the front door. Derek's father was the groundskeeper, so they had all the keys they needed to enter. Their only problem was they didn't know which key opened the front door. As Derek shuffled through the keys, the wind howled, and this time, the entire place creaked in protest. Avante told Derek to just start trying keys. Things were getting too scary and they knew their courage wouldn't last much longer. Derek held up one of the keys to the door and to their surprise, the door slowly opened on its own. The boys stood in silence and looked at each other. Both were terrified, but neither would admit it. Finally, Avante dared his best friend to walk inside. Derek wouldn't allow himself to refuse a dare and crossed the threshold with Avante trailing behind him. They slowly worked their way through the house into the library, careful not to make any noise. When they finally came upon the chess set, something unexpected happened. One of the white pawns moved on its own. Did you see that? Derek whispered. Avante shook his head, starting to get really freaked. He grabbed Derek to pull him back, but Derek stepped closer. And that's when all of the pieces started to move. Not at the same time. It was as if two people were playing the game. The chess clock even clicked at the end of each move. The haunted game grew faster and faster as the boys watched entranced. Finally, there was a pause in the game as if someone was considering a final move until, just like that, the Black King was knocked on its side. Derek and Avante looked at each other, not sure what to do. Finally, Avante said, I dare you. I dare you to take the king piece. Derek gulped and reached a trembling hand towards the table. He was dared. He had to do it. Suddenly, every single chess piece flew up into the air above them. But instead of falling to the floor, the pieces hovered over them. They took a step back and then another as the pieces started to vibrate. The pieces then all tilted towards the boys and flew at them with the speed of bullets and doing the same sort of damage. The best friends fell to the ground as the pieces struck them in the surrounding bookshelves. Books spilled out their pages while the boys spilled out their blood. It was suddenly clear why no one entered Montgomery House at night. Avante looked over at Derek, but there was no more life left in his eyes. Avante was hurt and losing blood, but he knew he had to get out of that house. He rolled onto his stomach and crawled toward the front door. His pace grew slower as he grew fainter until finally he didn't have the strength to crawl anymore. He rolled onto his back and hoped he could last until dawn when his neighbors would come work at the house. As he looked up, he saw something floating in the dark above him. 
it was the Black King. The chess piece hovered over him just out of reach and began to vibrate. Avante knew what was coming next, but he couldn't do anything about it. He closed his eyes as the king pointed down towards him and then with unnatural force slammed down through Avante's body. All for a dare. Check and mate. Thank you so much, Anuk, for inspiring this grisly tale of a possessed chess set. Do you have a best friend you do everything with? Which one of you is the brave one? Have you done anything you shouldn't have and witnessed something crazy? Tell us your story at somethingscary@snarl.com. When you are stricken with grief, it's common to act out in rash ways. But those actions may end up haunting you forever. Like in this story, inspired by Courtney. When Wanda and Jaden met in college, it was love at first sight. Soon, they talked of marriage, but Jaden was a senior and Wanda was just a freshman. And her parents insisted she wait until she graduated if she wanted their support. Wanda didn't want to wait and convinced Jaden to elope. She knew they'd figure out a way to support themselves and they could finish college later. Still, Wanda wanted their marriage to still feel romantic, so she insisted they meet at midnight by Lotus Pond, where all the young lovers promised their hearts to one another. Wanda showed up on time, suitcases packed, and waited for her beloved to arrive. Hours passed, and Jaden still hadn't appeared. Heartbroken and defeated, she walked back towards her dorm. And that is when she spotted Jaden with another girl. Wanda hid behind a tree and cried. She didn't understand how Jaden could be so cruel. With nowhere else to go, she headed back to Lotus Pond. She sobbed at the edge of the pond, trying to figure out what she'd done wrong. She could not imagine her life without Jaden and did not want to see him with someone else. At this weak moment, full of sadness and despair, she hurled herself with her luggage into Lotus Pond and sank to the bottom and drowned. Unfortunately for Wanda's soul, she had unfinished business, which barred her from moving on to the afterlife. She was now tied to the pond and destined to haunt it until she settled her score with Jaden. Many weeks after the tragedy, couples began to return to Lotus Pond for midnight rendezvous. One night, a sophomore named Hunter arrived for a midnight picnic with his boyfriend. He decided to arrive early to find the perfect spot to lay out the blanket. Hunter walked around the pond, taking in its beauty, the flowers, the reflection of the moon dancing on the water. Suddenly, he heard a woman's voice. Didn't I ask you to meet me at midnight? Hunter looked around, but saw no one. The voice asked again. Didn't I ask you to meet me at midnight? Hunter didn't recognize the voice, so he assumed they were talking to someone else. But before he knew what was happening, two pale hands emerged from the water and grabbed Hunter's legs. 
Hunter struggled against them, but they were too strong, and they dragged him into the pond. As Hunter was pulled under, he found himself face to face with the dead woman he saw in the news many weeks ago. His last thoughts were the realization that he was being drowned by Wanda's angry ghost. The ghost of Wanda looked at the person she drowned and cried out in sorrow. This wasn't Jaden. She had no idea who this person was. She had murdered him by mistake. She pulled the body above the water and cradled him in her arms as she cried, which is what Hunter's boyfriend Jacob saw as he approached Lotus Pond. At first he thought Hunter was swimming with someone, but as he walked closer, the horror became apparent. He screamed as the ghost held his boyfriend's soaking, bloated body. Wanda was startled by Jacob's anguish and grief, and once she realized they were lovers, she was overwhelmed by even more despair. She had inadvertently caused them the same pain that she had felt from Jaden, which only deepened her sorrow. She knew she had to do something. If she couldn't finish her business with Jaden, she could finish this. Wanda decided to reunite these two young lovers in the afterlife, where they could be together forever. Wanda let Hunter sink back into the pond and with lightning speed was on top of Jacob. She clawed at him and finally yanked him into the water. Jacob wailed for help, only to suck in water as he tried to catch his breath. Jacob was no match for the supernatural strength of the ghost and drowned within moments. Wanda laid the bodies of Hunter and Jacob at the water's edge and waited for their spirits to ascend to the afterlife. As the ghosts of Hunter and Jacob rose from their corpses, however, they did not seem happy to see each other. Instead, they looked angrily at the ghost of Wanda, their killer. They too now had unfinished business. Sensing their hostility, Wanda quickly disappeared into Lotus Pond. To this day, the three ghosts still haunt Lotus Pond, waging an endless battle to settle their business and finally depart for the afterlife. Hunter and Jacob hunt Wanda, and Wanda hunts for Jaden, who has long since left the college campus for parts unknown. Lotus Pond is no longer a spot for lovers only. It's now one for haunted tragedy and death. Thank you so much, Courtney, for inspiring this horrific tale of three star-crossed lovers. Listener, what coping mechanisms do you have for a bad breakup? Would you seek revenge or try for forgiveness? It's important to celebrate excellence, overcoming adversity, and most of all, family. But sometimes, it's easy to be embarrassed by those you love the most. Don't ever take your family for granted, or you'll realize how important they truly are when it's far too late. Savannah wasn't looking forward to the annual Juneteenth family reunion. She just graduated high school, and almost everyone in the family had come through for that. She loved them all dearly, but most of the family was just plain weird. 
especially when they were all together. Once a year was enough. What made things even weirder was this year's venue, an old abandoned carnival with broken rides that the family had strung up with lights and other decorations to make it seem a little less creepy. Cost-effective or no, even with the decorations, the place looked like the set of a horror movie. Spellbound by the eerie venue, she never noticed the hands reaching for her from behind. Huge arms wrapped around her from behind, startling her as they squeezed tight. Give us a hug, Savannah, her great-aunt Bliss said as she squeezed Savannah again. In a low voice, she then asked, Are you still joining the family business after college? Heart racing, Savannah awkwardly replied, Maybe, uh, sure. She still wasn't sure what the business was, or what her role there would be. With a look of approval, Great Aunt Bliss kissed her forehead and released her back into the sea of cousins, uncles, aunties, and family friends that had been around so long, they were considered family too. Even though her Great Aunt Bliss was a familiar face, not everyone there was, but they always seemed to know who Savannah was. Along with that, something about this spooky place made her feel like she was in danger. She nearly left the reunion when her twin cousins, Virgil and Dante, found her next. They were several years older than Savannah and had joined the family business when they'd graduated college. She tried to press them for details, but they just smiled strangely and told her she would find out soon enough. Annoyed at her cousins, she went to pay her respects to Grandpa Rick at the grill before she called it an early night. At these parties, Poppy never stopped grilling. He never stopped smiling either, because this was his favorite time of year. Which is why Savannah was so worried when she saw the concerned look on his face. Have you seen your mama? She never did say hi to me, Poppy said grimly. Savannah realized she hadn't seen her mother all day either. That wasn't normal. Her mom was always the life of the party and the center of attention. She looked for Great Aunt Bliss to see if she'd seen her mother, but she couldn't find her either. In fact, the whole reunion suddenly had fewer and fewer people. Savannah assumed they left the midway to look at some of the dilapidated attractions, but as she walked the aisles, there was no one around. And when she returned to the midway, everyone was gone. There was empty silence as Savannah slowly began to panic. She felt dizzy just as kaleidoscope music started playing. Her breath froze in her throat. Slowly, she turned around to find the source of the music at the far end of the midway. A beaten up carousel with flickering lights slowly spun backwards. As she approached the old weathered merry-go-round, it began to pick up speed. The wooden horses on their poles clattered while rusty metal jesters creaked from the ride's too fast motion. Painted on the center support were portraits of creepy clowns. But as everything turned faster, those portraits soon looked like people howling in agony. The broken machine spun faster and faster, and the music kept pace until it became a high-pitched scream. Finally, the whole thing exploded. Splintered pieces flew towards her like shrapnel. Instinctively, 
Savannah dived to the ground, barely dodging the deadly shards. She looked up to see a lone figure where the carousel had once stood. It was a clown. The scariest clown that Savannah had ever seen. Its starkly painted face looked more like bleached, cracked skin. With sunken, beady red eyes, it stared hungrily at her. Just before its mouth smiled wide, too wide, with yellow, rotten teeth. The clown's suit was in tatters, except for a shiny coat that bore the same howling portraits of the carousel. The demonic clown chuckled, and its deep voice rasped. My name is Old Grin. Would you like to see a magic trick? (laughs) Then the evil thing started stepping towards her. A herky-jerky movement where every time she blinked, it was suddenly closer, moving quickly to her along the midway. Savannah jumped to her feet to run as fast as she could, a scream burning in her throat. And that's when figures around her stepped out of the shadows. Her mom, Great Aunt Bliss, Poppy. The whole family emerged from all the aisles onto the midway. They were staring at her, each holding a silver candle. Old Grin, the clown, stopped its jerky charge forward. The demonic thing was surrounded. Savannah's mother smiled at her and said, This is the family business. We've come to be called the gatekeepers. Great Aunt Bliss held out an ornate silver-capped glass bottle of holy water to Savannah and said, For generations, our family has protected this world from the evil ones from below and beyond. It's necessary but very dangerous work. Will you join the family business? Suddenly, her whole beautiful, weird, and strange family made sense to her. Savannah smiled. Taking the bottle, she threw it like a grenade at the monster. The glass bottle shattered into the demonic clown's face. Glass shards split Old Grin's smile to ribbons as the holy water set it ablaze in heaven-sent flames. For 200 years, this evil entity had possessed different amusement rides, turning laughter into screams. Recently, it had lured wayward souls to that carousel, harvesting them wearing them like a coat draped on its stinking flesh. Weakened, it wailed in pain as the heat melted its features off. The silhouettes of the gatekeepers surrounded it. Blessed weapons in hand, their chants grew louder and louder as one by one, thousands of imprisoned souls departed from its demonic grasp. As Old Grin burned brighter, its life force grew dimmer. And as the final soul ascended, Old Grin roared, You've won nothing. There are many more like me. (laughs) Its rant cut short as Great Aunt Bliss collapsed his head with her walking cane. The demonic presence fell back into the dark world it had come from, joining the monster sent there before it. We know, Great Aunt Bliss wearily replied. We know. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. 
Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Marquia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. Executive producer is Gail Gilman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.